The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome to Barron's Live Market Watch Edition. I'm Arthi Swaminathan. I am a personal finance reporter with Market Watch, and I'm your host for today. And on today's episode, it's all about credit scores. We're joined by Margaret Poe, who is the head of consumer credit education at TransUnion. So welcome, Margaret. Thank you. Really happy to be here. So I'm here to ask all the embarrassing questions that people want to know, but are too shy to ask, right? So to our audience, we have a big audience Q&A portion at the end of this session. So put it in the comments box and we will get to them. Can be anonymous if you're scared. But Margaret, we're going to start with some of the basics. And I'm just going to jump right into it because we have so much to cover. A credit score is really pretty much your lifeblood when it comes to your financial life, right? It's so critical, especially in the US, as to how you interact with money. So for folks out there, let, let's let's hammer down some basics. What is a credit score? How is it calculated? Give us the 411 on that. Yeah. And first, I'd just like to say thank you so much for having me. And there really are no embarrassing questions when it comes to credit, personal finance. Like this stuff can be confusing. We don't necessarily learn about it in school. So don't be embarrassed, but really glad that so many people are excited to learn about it. So credit scores, you probably heard about it. You know, you say, oh, I want a good credit score. But what does that mean? And I think the to answer it, it's important to take just like a half a step back and talk about a credit report. So a credit score is based on a credit report. What's a credit report? A credit report is a record of how you've used credit and your personal finances over time. And lenders, uh, potentially employers, different people with permissible purposes is what we call it, are able to access your credit report. And that's how they may decide whether to extend you credit. So TransUnion is one of the three credit bureaus. You may have heard of Experian and Equifax. And we maintain credit reports on individuals. And um, it's really a point of pride for us to maintain these important sources of data um, and have these data sources that people can then access. So your credit report shows your history of credit. Your credit report then informs your credit score. And the score is calculated using an algorithm. There are a bunch of different scoring models. It gets kind of complicated. But the point is, there's a model, say FICO, Vantage Score. They crunch the numbers on your credit report and then spit out a score, typically between 300 and 850. And that gives you, um, you or anyone who is able to access your credit score, a sense of how you've used credit in the past. What is considered a good score? That's a big range, right? And how does that change? Like, what's a good credit score when you take out a car loan versus taking out a mortgage? For sure. And what is a good score is a question that we hear over and over and over from consumers because that's what people want to know. The tricky thing is that there is no one good score. So I'd mentioned that there are different scoring models like FICO and Vantage score, and they each define good in a different way. And also good isn't the top either. There's also excellent, like it depends on the model. So it depends with Vantage score. It's in like the, the low 700s with FICO. It can, it can start more in the 600s into the 700s. 
Um, so th there is a range. It depends. But in general, a good score it shows a lender that you have done a pretty good job of managing your credit um, and that you'd be a pretty good risk for them. I like how they call it excellent. You guys call it excellent. It makes me feel like I'm back in school again. But it's always nice to know if your credit is excellent, which is very, very aspirational. But what factors into a credit score? You know, is it the number of cards that you have? Is it how often you pay them? Is it the length of history? You know, give us the, the, the big highlights that go into this, this big model. For sure. Yeah. And it really is the things that you just touched on. Um, First and foremost, and we really try to hit this um, over and over with consumers, is, is your payment history. So it seems kind of simple, but it's important. Like, do you pay your credit bills on time each month? The single most important factor across almost all of the models. So if you have a credit card, if you have a student loan, a car loan, a mortgage, any of these types of debt, it is really critical that you pay that on time each month. Um, another factor, you can describe it in different ways, but could be called your utilization or your credit utilization ratio. And this is really just um, a calculation that shows all of your total available credit, like your credit limit, how much you're using at a given time. So a simple example, say you have a credit card with a $1,000 limit, kind of a low limit. Maybe it's your first card. You're starting out. Great. Uh, you have a $1,000 limit, you don't want to go out there and buy a $900 TV right away. <laughs> That's going to be using 90% of your credit utilization. Shows other lenders that, whoa, like you're getting close to the top. You may not be a great risk for us, potentially. Um, we typically recommend you keep that at 30% or less. So if you're spending, say, $300 within your statement period and then paying that off, great. That's typically keeping your utilization in a, a comfortable place. Um, so those are the top two factors. There are other couple things, um, how your mix of credit. So if you have a student loan and a car loan and a credit card shows you're, you're balancing both installment and revolving debt, um, that can be a good thing. Um, and then also new credit applications. So when you apply for credit, that can have an impact on your score. Um, tends to lessen over time, but that can have an impact as well. How often should people check their credit score? Should they only check when they get an alert? Most people seem to think once a month is the like what they should be doing. Is that the right approach? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I hate to keep saying this. There's not one exact answer. But if you're, you know, just in the course of your regular financial and credit management, if you're checking your report and score once a month, that's pretty good. Like you have a good sense of what's going on. Um, typically credit card bills and things like this are reported to the bureaus on a monthly basis. And it may be at a different point in the month, but typically that's the reporting cadence. So if you're also checking once a month, that's probably great. And then in terms of what you're doing when you're checking, um, you want to be checking your credit report and this is completely free to do. You can go to annualcreditreport.com. And actually throughout 2023, you can get your report every week. Um, the website, the URL is annual credit report, but you can actually go every week. So just kind of a thing that, that changed during the pandemic to make uh, credit reporting more accessible to consumers. So go get your credit report. You can download it from any of the three bureaus or all of them if you like. Um, and then really look through it. And we actually have a guide on our website on transunion.com for how to read your credit report. And it just shows you like, this is what it'll look like. And these are the different sections you're looking through um, just to kind of walk you through that process. And then 
um, also potentially looking at your score too. So we're going to jump into some of the nitty gritty, like all the specific questions that people have submitted over the last few days. But what's your best strategy to keeping your credit score healthy? What, what was something you've done that people should you know, think about doing? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think um, it, I like that you said keeping it healthy because that's one of the things that we really like to stress. Like with credit, it is a long it is a long-term project, you know, throughout your whole life, starting when you're maybe a young adult, and you're starting to build credit and throughout your life and having good credit can really help you access opportunities um, and the things that you really need to, to thrive in your life. So there are a couple strategies. They really do tie back to those factors that we were talking about a minute ago. So making sure that you're paying your bills on time, that you have a budget and that you're not um overspending. Like you want to make sure with a credit card that you are able to pay down that balance just because you can go up to say whatever your limit is, even though we don't recommend that just because you can, doesn't mean you should, you want to make sure you have those funds, especially with a credit card, looking at the, the interest rates that you can be charged. Um, that can be challenging <laughs> over time. So making sure that you're just, you know, taking on debt responsibly, paying it off. Um, and then also, an important part of you know financial health is making sure that your financial accounts are safe as well. Mm -hmm. So that's another huge benefit of checking your credit report. If you see something that looks off, maybe an account you didn't take off, you know, take out, or information like your your name or addresses or anything like that is um, off, it could be a sign of identity theft. And we have a lot of resources to help you work through that process um, on our website on transient.com and. Um, through the different government agencies as well, um, because the sooner that you can spot potential identity theft, the better off you'll be and you can get on the road to recovery. So just a reminder to our audience, uh, please submit your questions in the Q&A box and we will get to them. But Margaret, so how many credit cards should a person have in their wallet? I think this is a question a lot of people have. You know, three, four, you know? <laughs> and how frequently should you apply for a new card? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. And it's one that we've gotten a lot to um, from consumers. We wrote a blog on this exact topic because it's just Fantastic. people, people <laughs> want to know. And of course, the answer is it depends. But <laughs> the thing about credit cards is they are a valuable tool and they can be a powerful one for consumers. They offer protection against fraud compared to, say, just like a debit card. Um, you know, it can be really helpful in an emergency if you need to buy a new furnace or something, you know, emergency car repair. There are a lot of benefits to credit cards in addition to the fact that they can help you build that credit history. Um, in terms of how many to have, there are a couple of things you can keep in mind. Um, thinking about why, why do I want this card? Why do I need this card? If you're looking for a card just to have for backup for emergencies and you're not really looking for rewards, um, you know, that's one reason. If you're trying to take out a card, for say travel points, uh, miles, whatever, that could be another reason if you already have one card to consider taking out a second card that has really good benefits and maybe it has a low annual fee and some of the other considerations you wanna make. Um, the thing about taking out credit cards though is that there is typically what we call a hard inquiry or a hard pull or a hard credit check. <laughs> there are lots of different terms that can be used, uh, but when you apply, the lender will 
do a hard inquiry on your credit typically. They'll pull your TransUnion credit report just to see your history and potentially the other bureaus as well. It depends lender to lender. Um, and that can have a slight negative impact on your score. That impact will diminish over time and will fall off your report totally after two years. But because of that, if you were you know, applying for a new credit card every six months, you'd be in a constant state of these hard inquiries and that could really drag down your score. So it's an important thing to keep in mind. It's interesting. You talked about utilization at the top there. You can't just open a credit card and not use it or can you, you know, what do you think of that? Like people opening credit cards and just leaving them unused. Does that help or does that hurt your credit score? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it would really depend on the individual situation and how long the account would remain, um, like before it was potentially closed or something. I also don't know it, whether how much benefit you would really even get out of it, because yeah. one of the main benefits of having that credit card is showing that history of the on-time payments. So maybe it'd be in good standing technically, but I don't know how much of a boost you would get. And really, why are you just opening a card if you're not even going to use it, especially considering you're getting that potential ding at the beginning from the inquiry? That's a really good point, right? So don't be too greedy. Yeah. <laughs> when people are preparing to you know, take out a loan, credit card versus mortgage versus car loan, they have to be differently situated. You can't just walk into a mortgage lender's office and say, I want a million dollar loan for my fancy beachside <laughs> like you need to prepare your 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 documents and everything. So what do banks want to see from the credit score aspect of it for a mortgage versus a car loan? Are there different things, different standards? Yeah, it's a good question. And it is different depending on the type of credit you're looking to take out. You know, with a home, that's probably the biggest purchase you'll ever make in your life probably for most people, you know, you're taking out a pretty big loan. A car is a big loan as well, but it's probably going to be smaller. Um, and so accordingly, there are different things you probably want to do to prepare, or I guess just like a different level of rigor, maybe is how I would think about it. So if you are preparing for any kind of a big purchase, the very beginning, like as soon as that purchase is in your head, you want to start making sure that you're monitoring your credit checking that report, checking your score, making sure everything is accurate. Like that's step one before you even start shopping. Um, another thing to consider, this is especially important with car loans. Um, if you've ever uh, placed a freeze on your credit, which is a free service you can do through TransUnion, you can go to transunion.com, place a freeze on your credit. And it's a way to help potentially protect yourself from identity theft. However, if you have a freeze on your credit and you're at the dealer, they will not be able to run your credit to, you know, potentially give you that loan. And you won't be able to go through that transaction until you either lift the freeze or unfreeze it. Both of which are easy to do and free, but you want to kind of have that done ahead of time. So, that's, that's a really good point. Freezing. Um, so is that service free and available for everyone? Do they just go online and is it usually just for victims of identity theft or any other circumstances? Yeah, it's a great question. It's completely free. You can do it um, with all three bureaus, uh, transunion.com slash credit freeze. You can go right there to learn about it and place a freeze. It, we just recommend it as a great proactive way to manage your data because your data is an extremely valuable asset. It is what you 
use to interact in the world. So the more you can protect it, the better. Um, so yeah, if you have been a victim of identity theft, typically what's one of, that's one of the first steps that we recommend you take, but also just proactively for other folks. And um, we find that the more people learn about credit, the more that they are actively working on it, the more they want to make sure they're protecting it. So freeze is a good option to do that. So someone in the newsroom said that they, they need to apply for a mortgage. They need to quickly boost their credit score because they're not there yet. What can they do? You know, is, could they lease a car or like take a small dollar loan? What, like what would be a good strategy for them? That's responsible. Yeah. And there's no one quick fix, unfortunately, no matter what all the YouTube videos and Facebook posts say. <laughs> like it's kind of a bummer, but it's true. But the good thing is the actual things you can do are pretty straightforward and you can start doing them right away. It's the things we've been talking about. It's paying your bills on time, monitoring your credit, checking your credit report and score, um, not applying for too much debt and keeping your utilization low. I would recommend if someone is, you know, thinking about applying for a mortgage that they, you know, start checking their credit, which maybe it sounds like this person has. And then also, explore getting pre-qualified um, or pre-approval. That can be really helpful. I did that when I got a mortgage and it helped me know, okay, like this is the amount of money I could potentially spend, how much of a loan I could take out. I could think about that. Is that right for me? And just get a sense of where I was at before I was like in that process with an actual listing in a home I was trying to buy. Because once you're there, it's so high stakes and stressful, no matter where you are in the country, like you don't want to be doing that kind of thinking then you want to have that uh, work kind of buttoned up. Especially if you're, you don't, you're a gig worker, right? The paperwork can be pretty onerous. You can get all of that in order. So opening a phone line, renting a house, these kind of things also affect your credit score, right? You're not just talking about loans. These things also impact your credit score, right? Yeah. Well, it, it depends. Typically, taking out a phone, like a phone line, a new phone contract, wouldn't be reported to the Bureau, so probably wouldn't have a direct impact on your credit. Mm -hmm. um, things like utility bills, probably not either. However, if any debts like these that you have go into collections, if you don't pay them, then, you know, get sent into collections, that can end up on your credit report. And that can have a pretty negative impact on your score. So it's important to realize that there are things out there that can have that impact. Um, so to be aware. Renting is a really interesting one, though. Um, renting, in most cases, is not reported. However, there's a bit of a movement, and I think it's really a promising one, to have landlords report rent payments to the credit bureaus. Um, and there's different uh, programs in place that are trying to get this um, uh, happening. And the, the benefit would be that we know most renters are responsible and they are paying their bills on time. They should be able to get some kind of a credit benefit for that to show that they are paying each month on time. Uh, so you could always ask your landlord if they are doing that and ask them to consider reporting to the bureaus. And that could help you build credit as a renter. So for younger folks, it's a little bit different, right? If you're under 18, I don't know if you can apply for credit card, maybe, maybe certain ones. What can you do and what can your parents perhaps help you uh, get set up for success? Yeah, it's such a good question because 
as with all things, the, you know, the younger you can start and the sooner you can start building those healthy credit habits, the better off you're going to be when you get to, you know, your job or college or wherever you're going after school. Um, so there are a couple things that your parents could potentially help you with um, that you could talk to them about. You could be added as an authorized user on an account, which essentially allows you to, allows the student to absorb some of the positive credit history of the primary user of the account and also the age of the credit. Um, so if your parent had had a credit card for 10 years and then you're an authorized user, then you get some of that halo of having 10 years of positive history on the account. It is important with that to realize that there has to be a good sense of trust there that you are going to be using the credit card responsibly and paying that off each month, ideally in full, like we talked about. And similarly, if the parent or the main user of the card, they need to be doing the same thing. If their credit starts to slip, then that would impact you negatively as well. Closing off that card that you had <laughs> since you were a teenager, that can hurt your credit score in some cases, right? It's since it's a long history. Um, how can people understand that? Why does that happen? And what can they do to address it? Yeah, and I think that's one of these things that is important to talk about because in some ways it feels counterintuitive. You've had a card, you paid it responsibly. I remember I did this actually when I was younger. I looked at my credit history. I was like, oh, I don't use that card anymore. It's all paid off. I want to clean up my credit report. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I just want to look cleaner. I want there to be fewer things. So I closed the account. Well, that had a slight negative impact for me. It lessened over time. But it, it's just an important thing to know before you do that. Like, it's okay to keep an account on your credit report, even if you're not using it, if you've used it in the past it's okay because it is showing that positive history and it extends your total length of credit, like to your point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so when you move out of your house, you shouldn't necessarily think about closing Im immediately. You should make that decision with a lot of thought, right? But what is a secured card? I've heard this term float around on the internet. What Does that help people under 18? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, a secured card is another good option. Um, if maybe authorized user route wouldn't work for you, you want to try this. So the secured card is almost like a hybrid of a debit card and a credit card in a way, because you're placing a deposit of money you have, and that like creates your original credit limit. And then you could spend potentially up to that limit. And each month you pay off the credit card like a standard credit card, but it's it's kind of backed by that deposit you put in the beginning. Um, if you have this card for a few years and you have a good history with it and you start to build up your credit and you want to move to a different card with maybe a higher limit or better rewards or something, potentially you could graduate the card, you would get your deposit back. Um, so it can be a really good option, especially if you're having trouble getting approved for credit because you're starting off from scratch. Uh, it can be a good one to consider. Uh, Margaret, the questions are really piling up, so I'm going to just ask you for more questions before we get to yeah. The audience Q&A, but complaints are a big one, right? So people get really worried when their credit score drops 15 to 20 points or, you know, something, something major happens. What can you do? Where can you look? Who do you call? Not Ghostbusters, but who do you call to fix this issue? It can be pretty detrimental to someone who is in the lower end of the range, right? Yeah, it's a good question. And 
you know, if you're monitoring your credit, you're checking your score every month and then you notice a drop, it can, you know, it can almost feel like personal. You're like, what did I do? <laughs> and so I understand why it can almost be emotional for people. And what we recommend is that you take a look at your credit report. Like you see the score, you, you know, the number, then take a look at the report, look through, you know, say what, what changed? Something changed. The score doesn't change on its own. Something changed. Was it you made a really big purchase, so that impacted your utilization. Did you accidentally miss one payment, so you see that marked on there? Was it a hard inquiry? Um, did a collections appear on your report? Try to find. I would recommend that you try to like take a breath, look at the report, figure out what that changes, um, and just kind of see. Because then from there you can figure out. Okay, if it was a missed payment, say. It's okay. I learned my lesson. I'm going to set auto payments and a backup reminder. And I'm going to tackle this going forward. And over time, your credit score will go back up. And we have a ton of um, resources on our website, transunion.com slash blog for like, we even have a blog, my credit score dropped. What do I do? And you know, we offer some of these tips in a little bit more depth. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, but credit scores can be volatile, right, Margaret? Like they, they don't sort of just float along the same same lines. Uh, can you give some advice on as to this volatility? Is it normal to see your credit score fluctuate? Yeah, you're right. They do move up and down just because you're not like we're not robots. We're not out there doing the same thing right. every day. We're using our money differently. We are exploring new like options. We are taking out a car loan or a student loan. You know, we're all out there living in the credit economy. And so things fluctuate based on that. Really recommend that you try to just treat it like as normal ups and downs to the to the extent you're talking about, say, 10, 20 points or something. Like, yes, that can have a potential impact, but it'll probably also level out if you continue with the, the healthy habits. So recommend people just kind of think about it in that way and focus on the basics that we've been talking about. So some of the audience questions are curious about mistakes, which I am also personally very curious. I'd love to know what I'm doing wrong. On Instagram, people said that their biggest credit mistake was not starting to build their credit earlier. What is the biggest mistake people make in your opinion, maybe a mistake that you have made? Yeah, no, I think there there are a couple things that are pretty common for people. One is just not checking their report or not checking it early enough before a big purchase. Kind of like we talked about earlier, you really don't want to be at the dealership and realizing your credit isn't where you thought it was or you had a freeze in place or, you know, that there are just these last minute issues whatever you can do, take a few minutes ahead of time, take a look at your report and score, see where you stand, and then you can make a plan for how you can improve it. What is the most common, let's talk about myths and misconceptions. What is a common mistake you think people make that they think they're good, but actually backfire on them? Is there such a, such a move? Yeah, I think the closing accounts um, that are in good standing is a really common one, uh, which we had talked about, like that account in good standing, that's a positive thing. Like you don't need to worry about it. It's okay. Um, I think that's probably the most common one. Um, also, maybe just overstating or overthinking about like, I need a perfect score. 
like a lot of the scoring models go to 850 thinking I need 850 or nothing like 850 or bust. And it's not really the case. You're going to be able to access a lot of great opportunities, great interest rates. Um, if you can get your credit score, you know, into the good and excellent range, you don't need to worry about any one specific number. I did a story two years ago about student loans that I thought was very interesting and ironic, but someone who consolidated his old student loan into a federal one, I'll spare you the details, but his credit score dropped. And I was reading that paying off your student loans could actually cause a temporary drop in your credit score. Is this a common question people have and how long does this dip last? Yeah, no, I'm really glad that you you raised that. That's another common question we've heard. We have a blog on that as well, actually. Um, and yes, it, that does happen when you pay off a loan. It's similar to what we're talking about with other accounts. You have a less credit available, fewer credit accounts, less credit history on your credit report. All of those things can combine to potentially drop your score a little bit. The thing is, it will, the impact of that will ease over time. And it's not just all or nothing. It'll, it should just sort of gradually dissipate as you use credit in other ways. So <laughs> it, it, I understand why it's frustrating for people because you're achieving this massive milestone of consolidating or paying off your student loans. You want everything to be just positive. It's a slight negative thing that can happen, but over time, the impact will fade. That's good because not only should you be prudent, you should be patient too, right, <laughs> with your credit score. So Clayton from, uh, just going to the questions, asks, you know, how do I get a collection removed? What is the most efficient way to have an incorrect item removed, basically? Uh, it's two different questions, actually. What is the easiest way to address uh, both of them? Yeah, and this is another uh, question we get a lot as well. So a collection, we talked a little bit about earlier, if uh, you have a bill that goes to a debt collector, it goes into collections that will appear on your credit report. Typically, collections will appear on your credit report for up to seven years. There are some exceptions, um, but generally it's about seven years. And so that does have a negative impact on your score in most cases. Um, so understandably, people want to, to know what the deal is with it, you know, what they can do. If the collection is accurate, um, like you did have that collection and that's why it's on your report, you can't get it removed. It's um, it's just part of the credit report, but it will fall off after those typically seven years. And as we were talking about before, the impact will lessen over time too. So the more you build good habits, the you know faster that your credit health will improve overall and your credit score as well. If, however, the collection is incorrect, you did not take out that loan. You don't even know what this company is. There are definitely steps you can take and we recommend you take action right away. We have resources on transient.com about this. Um, if you do have a potentially fraudulent collection, the steps you can take, reaching out to the collections agency, uh, potentially submitting a dispute through our free process. Um, so there are steps you can take if it is indeed a, a fraudulent collection. Can you do this online or do you need to call or uh, so I think Clayton wanted to ask if email, mailing it physically, like which is the easiest, most effective approach? Yeah, uh, well, we have full resources on our website. There are a few cases with um, disputes potentially that you might need to send in documents by mail, but mm -hmm. a lot of it you can do online, transunion.com slash disputes. 
um, you can you can learn more about it. And then we also have agents available as well to walk you through that process. So Okpai asks, what has the highest impact on credit scores, positive or negative, which is the, the one big game changer that could destroy you or make you? Yeah, the main thing that we typically talk about, the, the factor that has the biggest impact across most models is that payment history. Are you paying your bills on time? Every month. So when you're trying to just focus in on one, that's really the one I would focus on. All right. Um, and just looking through some of the questions. So uh, there's one person who said they have moved overseas a couple of times. How do I know if there are any outstanding bills that are due? Would that be available on annualcreditreport.com? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, so definitely recommend that you pull your credit report from TransUnion or the other bureaus through annualcreditreport.com. There you'll see your history of credit interactions, you know, like we've been talking about credit cards. If you had maybe an outstanding bill that wasn't in collections, it wouldn't appear on your credit report most likely yet, um, which is a good thing <laughs> because it, hopefully then you can catch it before it would go into collections. Um, but checking your credit report would be a good first place to start and then recommend just, you know, trying to check any other bills or accounts that, that you can think of just to make sure your finances are all in shape. James had a question about, will your credit score go down if you pay off your mortgage? And I think you answered that through the student loan question, right? So if there's a long history, uh, that could, it has a temporary dip. Is that fair to assume? Yeah, that's right. And it's the same thing of, this is an amazing accomplishment. Pop <laughs> the champagne, you paid off your mortgage. Maybe there'll be a slight dip, but it'll ease up over time and uh, you don't need to worry too much about it. Right. So... Some of the questions are kind of interesting. Filing bankruptcy, you know, that affects your credit score for sure. How do you restore your credit post-bankruptcy? Is there a couple of things people can do? What is your advice on this? Yeah, and it is a really important question. You know, there are a lot of people who do face bankruptcy and then are rebuilding their credit. Um, we have some great blogs on our website, transunion.com, about rebuilding credit after maybe a situation like this. Honestly, it's a lot of the same principles that apply. You want to make sure you are paying your bills on time, not using too much credit, not taking out too much new credit, um, and just trying to rebuild bit by bit, knowing that it is a journey, but the more that you can take those steps, the the better you'll be. You'll, you know, you'll be and your credit health will follow. Douglas asks, what is the difference between a hard credit inquiry and a soft credit inquiry? What is what is the difference? I, I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so hard credit, credit inquiry or a hard credit pull or a hard credit check, um, that's typically when you're applying for credit. So you're applying for a credit card or a loan, the lender will pull your credit It'll be a hard inquiry that'll appear on your credit report. It'll last for two years, slight credit impact. A soft credit check is a whole bunch of other cases, maybe an employer checking your credit with um, a permissible purpose, like they have a reason to. It's you checking your own credit through annualcreditreport.com. Um, it could be some promotional inquiries. And the main difference is that typically with a soft inquiry, it doesn't have an impact on your score. So you may see it listed there and you may think, oh, my goodness, look at all these soft inquiries. But 
it's really nothing to be alarmed about. It's just um, appearing on your report for you, and it's not typically having an impact on your score. Some of these questions are very interesting because they go to an earlier point you mentioned that anything on your credit score, it feels almost personal when your credit scores drop, right? Because mm-hmm. it's so important to your financial existence. As Susan asks, different bureaus have different numbers for credit scores. And you talked about this at the top. Which which bureau does the do banks use and mortgage companies use? That's a, that's an interesting question, I think. What do you say, Margaret? Yeah, it really is. And it's even one layer... Um, more complicated, I guess, in some ways, in that the the bureaus, we don't actually even make the scores. Like at TransUnion, we're a bureau. We work with Vantage Score. We typically use Vantage Score mm-hmm. 3.0 model, but there are different Vantage Score models, and there are a whole bunch of other companies that also create models like FICO. Um, so it really depends um, case by case. So you can always ask your lender, like, which model are you going to use or, you know, which credit uh, score are you using that can give you a sense of it? And then you could try to get that score. Um, But in general, the scores are based on your report, like we talked about. And so if you're feeling confident about your report and the the score that you pull, you know, it'll, it'll give you a good sense of it. It shouldn't be so far off that there's a huge discrepancy. And I think I'm just going to get to one last audience question before we wrap up, which is, ah, I lost my train of thought there. But um, if you, this person said that he's been paying off uh, 45%, using 45% of his credit limit, and he's been doing a great job so far, but he wants to improve his credit score. Should he raise his credit limit? Yeah, great question. And actually, I'm really glad that they mentioned the 45%. Um, just to reiterate what we typically recommend, and of course, there's no perfect number, but we typically recommend a utilization ratio of 30% or less. So if you're using just about a third of your total credit, that's typically looked upon favorably by the scoring models. Um, so that's one piece of it. And then in terms of raising the limit, it is a good option to explore. It really depends on your lender. Um, they may do a hard inquiry in order to raise your limit. So you'd have to weigh the options to decide if it's going to be worth the potential negative impact for the potential positive impact. Sometimes um, like a credit card company will raise it automatically. Yeah, um, that happened to me. That That's interesting. That's the case with me. That's an interesting difference, right? For some people, it's not automatic. Yeah, exactly. So if it happens automatically and there's no hard credit, credit pull, I mean, for the most part, that's just going to be a good thing. So it really depends on the situation. And I'd recommend that you talk to your lender. Great. So uh, thank you, audience, for the overwhelming number of questions. Uh, We will try to respond to some of them in a written article if we can. Um, But uh, just a final closing question for you, Margaret. Some things have changed in how credit scores work, right? You mentioned earlier about rents being a part of credit scores, which is very, very new. I think a report came out that showed that including rent payments boosted credit scores. And that was from Susu and uh, Penny Freddie May. Pretty Mac, if I'm not wrong, medical debt not being affected. And that's a big one for people, right? So what are these changes and are there any other changes that you think people should really be aware of as they proactively check their credit reports every month? Yeah, no, it's a great question and is a a dynamic space. Um, With the medical debt, that's a really interesting thing. So last year, the, the three bureaus, we came together and announced that we're going to make some changes around medical debt because 
This is a significant challenge for a lot of Americans. They have medical data that goes into collections. It appears on their report, can impact their score. Um, so as of now, medical debt, when it's paid in full, it does not appear on your uh, credit report. And from the original delinquency, we call it, you have one year before it does appear on your report. So it's a bit of a, a grace period to hopefully um, give you time to, to work that out with the original, like with the hospital or um, the provider. Hopefully you can get that worked out before it does appear on your report. And then this year, actually, debt under $500 will, medical debt under $500 won't appear on your report. So a couple of changes that um, are just intended to help consumers with these medical debt collections. And Margaret, where can people go? You mentioned a couple of blog posts. Where can people go to read some of this information? Uh, do you have any links or something you can just throw out to us? Yeah, for sure. So we have a ton of great blogs on a lot of these topics, transunion.com slash blog, and a wealth of resources just all over our website. Um, we have a guide to how to read your credit report, which shows a visual of the report and some information about each section and the impact on your score. Um, that is transunion.com slash how to read your credit report. And then also just resources about disputes. Um, you know, if you have a fraudulent a situation on your credit report that you're trying to work through, if you want to place a credit freeze, um, you can do all of that on our website as well. Yeah, fantastic. So unfortunately, despite all the, the questions that are coming in still, um, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for being here, Margaret. This is great, lively conversation. And thanks to all our listeners. And again, we will follow up with a story um, uh, just detailing some of these extensive questions that you have. That's all the time we have today again. We hope you listen to our next episode tomorrow. Barron Senior Managing Editor Ro Lauren R. Roblin and Associate Editor for Technology Eric J. Savitz discuss the outlook for tech companies and individuals' talks. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. Stay safe and have a good day. The energy transition is a long and winding road and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.